The ancient Chinese believed that the heart was the center of human cognition, and therefore the heart and the mind are one. Wellness Continuing offers spiritual tools and resources to elevate your heart-mind. At wellnesscontinuing.com, you'll find meditation music with binaural beats, a podcast all about consciousness in the afterlife, blog posts, and a new series called Dreamtime with Catherine Clairvoyant and much more. Sign up for the Wellness Continuing newsletter and stay updated about new offerings and resources. Visit wellnesscontinuing.com. Wellness Continuing. Elevate your heart-mind. There is a place beyond this one, a place where we learn about our immortality, the reasons for life and death, and the wisdom of the universe. It's a place where we meet the beings that have attained mastery, sync with the Akashic records, and reunite with our loved ones and pets. It's a place where we learn what love really is, understand that we are always directed with signs and synchronicities, and review our lives with enlightened awareness. It's a place where we learn to forgive, to love unconditionally, and to see the magic in all that happens during our earth life. It's a place that teaches us how to live in this challenging world and to do so blissfully, joyfully, and completely. This place is called the place between here and there. Today's guest is Steven Weber, an information technology manager who spent three weeks there after experiencing a near-fatal motorcycle accident. This trip to the realm of all love and light changed a once non-spiritual biker into a now spiritual teacher. Stephen is co-author and partner Kathy live in Northport, New York. Both are Reiki and crystal healing practitioners as well as workshop speakers. Listen as Steve shares the details of his story and his deep insights about death, the afterlife, grief, and love. Hi, Steve. Welcome to the show. It's so lovely to have you here. Thank you. It's an honor to be here. It's a very special day for me. And uh, thank you for sharing your audience. Absolutely. Um, you have such a vast experience um, with a lot of synchronicity and a lot of enlightenment. And um, yeah, I just, I would love if you can maybe start uh, with uh, how how you got in touch with the spiritual realm, considering that you started off as an atheist? Well, well, I would say that uh, I was more agnostic in the sense that that I just didn't spend a lot of time thinking about it. Like most of my time was about my four walls. I had two young children, and I you know, had to make a living. <laughs> but uh, but I also. I also liked Harley Davidson's. I liked rock and roll. I like beer and hot wings and big trucks. And, you know, I guess, I guess I'm still a kid in a lot of ways. And, uh, but, uh, but I, I'm not too lonely. There's a lot of guys just like me out there. And, uh, and that was my, my, my life. I just focused on, uh, on the kids 
and I love my Harley Davidson. I'm an engineer, a computer guy. You know, I, I'm into computers. You know, I, I make a living, but it's also my hobby. You, you see my room here. You know, I always see his white walls behind me. I mean, we, we don't have any audio on this uh, podcast, but I'm surrounded by all these screens. People walk in here like, what? what's going on? <laughs> but, um, but, but, but yeah, and that was my, my world. My world was very built upon reason and logic. And cool, but but I was I'm a guitar player. I'm into I always had that other stuff, you know. So it's all cool, but but that was my world, and that's why when I had this experience, this afterlife near death experience, for the long longest time afterwards, about a year afterwards, I denied it ever happens. Like I, I really did. Is is that I made it up in my own mind because these people who believe these things were so alien from me. In a sense, like I often joke. I was never a violent person, but I often joke and say if the person Stevie met Stevie 10 years ago met Stevie today, he'd beat the crap out of him. <laughs> you know, it just it just wasn't my world. It, it it just wasn't. And it was an awkward world for me. And um, and so uh when when I started to after I had come back from the place between here and there, is that is that I dismissed everything, all my experiences, all my new intuitions all the signs and synchronicities I was receiving. I just ignored it. And it was my my friend, my dear friend, and my later co-author, Kathy, who she, she would go for long walks with me. And she'd tell me, I mean, she she put it nicely in the book, but 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 in real life, she told me I was out of my mind. She said I was burying my head in the sand and she, and she would make a very good argument. But uh, but like her, I could be very stubborn in my ways. And, uh, and I'm glad that, uh, you know, I'm glad that uh, that I was coming to terms with it when I did. And uh, I'm just very grateful, very grateful for the experience because people often ask me, I still suffer with a lot of injuries from the accident. And uh, well, suffer is the wrong word. I'm challenged and I enjoy the challenge. But uh, but I wouldn't go back to the day before the accident for anything, for anything. I couldn't imagine my life without that you know and i guess the model is it's not a model but it's, it's really something to live by and i really believe that life is good and people are good even when very sad things happen and i think that and i think that one of the things i learned in that place is that you can't take a shortcut i can tell you that and you're not all of a sudden going to turn around and say oh i found the light you know <laughs> it's not like that but if you understand, if you understand that and you walk the path to understand why that's so, when you finally understand it, it will be so for you. And those are some of the things that I that 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 helped me transition from a four walls existence to understanding more of what I like to say the all that is. It sounds like expansion, right? from that constraint to expansion. You know, cognitive dissonance is a very common thing for us humans, isn't it? You know, we could be awake one minute and then completely forget about it the next day when something happens. Or um, like Eckhart Tolle says, if you think you're enlightened, go spend a weekend with your family. Oh, please, please. <laughs> I just, I find that. And words of wisdom and <laughs> that's something you have to figure out for yourself someone could tell you that but 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 in 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 all instance okay 
Jai Dev Singh. He's, he's, he's this really cool guy. He's a, he's a Kundalini guy, a, 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 a spiritualist, a guru, a guru. I don't know. And, uh, you know, he looks, he looks like, what does he look like? I'll tell you, he, he'll get strip searched every time he goes through an airport. He looks like that. You know, he's, he's got the long beard and everything, but he's into rap music and plays basketball. He's, he's a really good guy. He's, he's younger than, than me. He's, he's a modern guy. Uh, but but he's very traditional in his spirituality. He practices Kundalini, and and I uh, I've gone to several of his um, of, of uh, Kundalini spiritual festivals, which he was one of many speakers. I always enjoyed him because one of the first things he always opened up with, or or he often shared, was if you have a choice between being a pious person, a holy person, or being a nice guy, be a nice guy. Hmm. And I think I, I I think that's what what well, what I see in the words that 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 you mentioned to me is that is that you you can always think you're high and exalted and above everything, but you're not, and that's the beauty of it because or else you wouldn't be here. You got to live life, and that's one of the things I learned about it is because the only thing you could take with you, and people have said this before, but I never really understood it until I had my life review in that other place, but. The only thing you can take with you are your experiences. And those are the reason why we are here, I believe. I believe from my experiences, that's why we're here. Because that when I was in that place, I had a life review, many life reviews. As I reviewed everything that happened in my life, it wasn't like I was like, like standing there. I, it wasn't like I was reliving it. But it wasn't like I was, I was standing there watching it either. It was that I was part of everything. And I was experiencing, I was feeling every experience, not only the way that I perceived it, but the way everyone else perceived it. So, so as I started to walk through my life time and time, all these experiences, I began to learn new things from my life because not only did I live through it once, but now I'm in this place where I've been experiencing things and learning and growing. So now I had an opportunity to look at things as a voyeur. And all of a sudden I began to get new insights into the things in my life. And one of the most important things that I learned is some of the most difficult experiences in my life were the things that I learned the most from, the things that brought me the most bliss, the things that tortured me in life, like, like hatred, animosity, or jealousy, or even worse, the worst thing is regret or shame. Mm -hmm. Those are the things which you'll keep to yourself. You know, you know, you won't say those things out loud. And those are the things that, that, that torture you. And those are the things that when I start to go through my life reviews and I start to take away the blockages, you know, physical world, you know, they put so many blockages in, in there. So once I started getting rid of the blockages, I was starting to be able to come to terms with things. And as I came to terms with all my experiences, all of those jealousies, animosities, and shames all began to melt away through understanding and openness. And once I began to do that, my awareness began to raise. And then I would do my life review over again because my awareness has raised. And so I'd go and do my life review again, and my awareness would raise. Every time I started my life review, I knew it was going to be a really bad day. I really did. But by the time I got to the end of my life review, I felt such bliss. 
And that bliss was addicting. That bliss drove my desire to live through this every time. And so if I had no life experiences, what would I draw on? In my opinion, from, from what I could understand, is that it may be the greatest thing for you to go on a mountain and say om all day and eat three little blades of rice every day. And, and that may connect you to the all that is. And that's beautiful for you. And I respect that. And I love that. But I think most people, to get your experience, to live life, to laugh, to cry, to experience these things, don't be afraid to fail. Some of the, the same lessons can be learned in failure as they can in success. The same lessons. And sometimes the biggest screw-ups in my life are the things I've learned the most from. And those are the things that you learn in those life reviews. But another thing I learned is that I can't have hate or animosity towards anyone who brings me bad things. And what I mean by that is that never, never let people do bad things to you. Love is the ultimate intelligence. Don't, don't allow those things. But when bad things happen, to try to understand them. Cry when you need to cry. Grieve when you need to grieve. But there's a time to begin to understand because those things can be both releases and blockages. And so, and, and so that's why those experiences are so important to you. So, so, so those things where, where we're talking about, uh, those, it's the only thing. That's the very reason for life, right? my opinion. I love it. Can you walk us through your near-death experience, the, the, what you experienced, what the process that you went through to get to those life reviews? I'm going to share a part of this, this, the story, the experience that wasn't in the book. Oh. And well, because I didn't think it was part of this, the story. I really didn't. Is that, um, I sound so foolish when I, when, when, when I tell you this, but, but now I'm beginning to understand it because I thought this experience, the near death experience was the experience, but really now I'm beginning to learn it. No, it's just part of a much larger experience. And that is more meaningful that I'm still struggling with, but I feel in the bliss too. You know, it's, it's wow. I could see how my life reviews have prepared me for this moment. <laughs> it really we're all, has. We're always a student, right? We're always a student. And a teacher. And a teacher, yeah. Or we wouldn't be here. And that's really important. And that's one of the things I learned there is that you have to be humble to be a student. Yeah. You must be confident to be a teacher. But yeah. both of those things are essential to becoming a aware spirit. That's all. <laughs> that's amazing. That should be a quote. <laughs> so, so let me, let me, let me, I'll just describe the experience. And, and if I go a little, little long, you flag me down no and problem. I don't mind, but, but, but Kathy always says, uh, Stevie does not have an economy of words and, and, and the worst place in the world to be is between Stevie and a microphone. So, it's, it's <laughs> <all good. laughs> so, well, I guess, I guess, uh, you know, I have, uh, I've been a biker all my life, Harley Davidson's and dirt bikes. And, uh, I grew up in a small town on Long Island, Kings park. And, um, and, uh, you know, I was always an old personality. Uh, I got into computers very early. My first job was painting computers in a computer factory. 
And yeah, yeah, it was it, it, it was it was kind of messed up because I it, no, it, it wasn't messed up. I was from a working class community, and I was in a computer factory. A lot of smart computer people there, and I always felt awkward. And a series of things that one day I just had enough of it. And I decided I wanted to be a computer guy too. And so, uh, and so I went to school, I did all these things. And finally, when I became a computer guy, I realized I had nothing in common with these people. I was a biker still. And so that was the way I lived my life. I was basically a computer guy, but I was a biker. I loved top wings and rock and roll and all those things. And, uh, and I love being a dad. I had two young children I had a small house. And I ran a computer business with my brother. And that's the way it was for a while. And then uh, then one evening, about 2005, it was a long time ago. Uh, one evening, I was out riding with my friends. On Long Island, uh, there's this beach area called Fire Island. <laughs> and you uh, and you go in and you ride on your Harleys and you zip up and down the strip. You say hello. You stop here. You say hello. And you see other bikers and say, what do you got on your bike there? And you compare. You zip up. And, you know, just, just wait. People do on a Friday, Saturday night. And, uh, and so it was late. It was 2 a.m. It was 4th of July weekend. And I was riding down the Meadowbrook Parkway coming home. And just a great night out and I'm driving on my Harley and I'm riding down the road and I'm putting along about 70 miles an hour. And all of a sudden I felt someone driving uncannily next to me. And I look right next to me and there's a pickup truck driving right next to me, very close. I thought, wow, that's odd, but I'm, I'm okay. I'm used to New, New York. You're used to that kind of stuff. And, uh, but then I looked down and there was a guardrail between us. And then I realized he must be going the wrong way on the opposite way. Like, like I'm going this, I'm going one direction. He's, he's supposed to be going the other direction, but he's not, he's driving the wrong way on the Meadowbrook Parkway. And at first I, I didn't realize it because there's a lot of construction going on. And I thought that I, I, I like reasoned it out like good old computer, Steven. Oh, I got to examine all the circumstances. My intuition told me right away what was going on. But, but my, my other part of me was like, oh, well, let me examine all the circumstances. And when, and then all of a sudden the guardrail disappeared and he was riding right next to me. And then, and then when I realized I like, oh boy, I better move over. Not only to give this guy some room, but if he goes and runs into me, then as soon as I did that, the guy went under a bridge and he went head on right smack into the front of a limousine. And he killed the little seven-year-old girl and the limo driver and profoundly injured the whole entire family. And uh, I actually had it. I was in the debris field. I actually had to drive out. And, and, and people, although it was late at night, people were on the scene immediately because it's, it's, it's a beach town. Everybody's out. And, uh, and, so, and so I went home, stayed out of the way, drove home. And... Uh, and that was pretty much the end of it for me is that, uh, is that when you drive motorcycles, especially all over the country, you see accidents all the time and you know, you got to keep away from it. And you know, they're always looking for, uh, witnesses and, and the paper the next day, well, it was a very big deal. And in the paper, the next day they were looking for witnesses. And I said, I said, no, no, I, I wasn't going to come forward because that the facts looked clear to me. It did. They, they had the guy terrible tragedy. He was going the wrong way. There were other 
things, other accusations there as well. And, um, and that was it. And so, and so I went on with, with, with my life for a while and, uh, I'm just taking care of my, my kids, keeping up with things. And then about a, almost to the day, a year later, I, uh, I, I just freak chance. I was, I don't know what would happen. I opened up the newspaper and I saw there was this big trial going on with this guy and they had him on trial for murder. The, the charging with second degree murder, it was this national case. I had, I had no idea this, this, this was going on. And I, um, I did a lot of soul searching at this point. And uh, I talked to my kids about it and they said, yeah, dad, you gotta, you know, <laughs> you know, you, you, your kids repeat back things to you, which you've said them before. And they told a lot of Steve-isms about, about right and coming forward and, all those things. And so I, so I came forward and it, it was a crazy trial because it was, it was going on at the time. And, uh, I was on the stand for two days and, uh, and I really represented the case very well because I didn't know any of the parties at that point because I came into it cold. I didn't know anybody and they knew each other because there was this whole thing going on for a long time. And, um, I remember the parents and they were heartbroken, obviously. And they were profoundly injured. And I remember seeing the defendant. He was a young fella. And um, first things I thought to myself, for the grace of God, that wasn't me. I know, I know that sounds odd, but, but I thought that I certainly was no saint. <laughs> and, and I could have made a stupid mistake too, but but you have to be responsible. And, and, and those are the things I wrestled with, with, with me because I had to bear witness against this guy. And then the other things I realized is that everybody there hated that guy. They hated him. They wanted him tarred and feathered. He, he killed a little girl. And, um, and that profoundly changed my life. It really did, especially after the guy got convicted of second degree murder. And, um, and the judge sentenced him to 16 years in prison, which he served. And, um, and after that, the parents were still so angry. And they, I remember them calling the judge a coward. And I stood before that judge for two days. I didn't feel that at all. I feel, I, I just, but I accepted it because they lost and they're so, and it was so terrible. But, but that profoundly changed my life. And so after that is I decided my kids were going to be my full-time job, 100%. I sold my computer business to my brother. I became a full-time dad. I became Mr. My Town. I really did because I had nothing involved. I became Mr. Civic. I was elected to the school board. <laughs> I ran a district, a $90 million budget. I volunteered for a museum. That's how I met my co-author, my, my co-author, Kathy, she was, she was the head of a Girl Scout troop. And, and, and I completely changed my, 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 my life. I worked with my kids on hooked on math and hooked on, I took them to all the music lessons. That was my world. And, uh, and then they, 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 they were growing up and things were going really well. And, and I, I didn't need to crane over them all the time. So I was starting to do things on my own a little bit more. You know, I always rode my Harleys, but it was transportation. You know, I didn't go out the way I once did. And, you know, it's just, 
being a full-time dad, doing what dads do, should do. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and so, but, but one Sunday afternoon, I got on my Harley. I went out to Eastern Long Island, which I did often, and uh, to go to barbecue places. And I'll stop and get barbecue and hang out. And then, uh, and then, you know, before it got dark, you know, just drive back home. And so one of these times I was going back there, it was a spring day, it was Sunday afternoon, about three o'clock in the afternoon. And I've uh, done it many times. It, the traffic was backed up for miles. And, uh, and I don't want to sit in traffic anymore. People were going on the side of the road and like making a right-hand turn to get out of it and like take a different way. So I did the same thing. But what happened is when I came up to the intersection, someone in the oncoming lane made a left-hand turn and smacked right into the side of me. It was a pickup truck. The lights went out. The next thing as I knew is I was lying on my back and I was looking up and everything had changed. It looked darker, like, like it, it was early spring, so it was still cold out. And so the, the sun was going down early in New York at that time. And so, and so, it was getting dark out and I saw all the lights were flashing and wow, I, I realized some time had passed. And my first instinct was to get up. And uh, because I drove dirt bikes all my life and it may sound strange, but you fall down all the time. You, you wipe out all the time and just get back up and get on and you go. I mean, I'm an older person now. I don't do that anymore, but my, you know, I'm not a fool. I'm not a fool. And so, uh, and so, and so the first thing you, you would do would get up. And so I went to get up and the medical people, their eyes got really big and they say, get down. They started yelling at me getting down, but that has the opposite effect on me. Yeah. I, I kind of thought it was like Rocky, you, you know, Mickey saying, get down, stay down, you know? And I was like, I'm getting up, you know? Yeah, I know. It's awesome. <laughs> it's, I, well, that's me, you know, it's kind of like my wackiness. And so I, um, and so and so as soon as I tried to get up, I felt these bones sticking in my hip and oh, just excruciating pain. And I went wailing back on my head, like really hit my head hard. And then the lights went out again. And then the next thing I, I knew is I was flying through the clouds and I was raising up and up. And I was thinking, I mean, I was thinking, <laughs> and and then I started coming down again from the clouds, and then I saw a circle on the ground, and then I realized where I was. I was inside a helicopter. No, actually, I was outside a helicopter, like mash in like a in like a tray, and they were helicoptering me to the premier, in my opinion, the best trauma center in the United States of America, Stony Brook Hospital. It's a, it's a university hospital on Long Island. They are a trauma center. They just happen to do research on near-death studies, by the way, but, but I've never talked to them about that. But they just have a wonderful trauma center. Everyone's a young student, so they really have a lot of excitement and positive energy towards their, what they're doing. And, and they just, wow, I was on the verge of death. And I, and I was dying. I was dying. And I was so profoundly injured. And um, it was just grace that they could land a helicopter, that they had a helicopter. It was so funny. I later learned that, and, and I kind of 
still remember that, but the helicopter seemed very small to me. Like, you know, I was, you know, uh, it seemed very small. Like, are they allowed to fly that thing? You know, I picture <laughs> helicopters are big things, but it was kind of small. It was so small. I had to be outside of it, not inside of it. But hey, if it wasn't for that, they wouldn't have been able to pick me up. And, but, but I was very, very injured is that, is that I had, I had my spine was broken and they had to put, these big screws and metal plates to stabilize my spine to prevent it from becoming worse. They didn't think I, they weren't sure if I was going to be crippled. I, you know, if, if, if I was going to be able to walk or severe neuromuscular damage, they weren't sure what the extent, but they had to stabilize it. And then I shattered my hip. They had all these rods and pins and I, I could go all up and down. There was like, you know, 20 bones broken, my arms and every, everything. And, uh, but one of the most serious things were is that I, uh, I was bleeding internally and they, and they had to find that. So they had to do several operations over several days to find out why I was bleeding. And then there was just follow up day after day. And there were so many times that, that my vitals went down to nothing. They had to bring me back again. It was just touch and go for such a long time. And so I was in the ICU in the coma for three weeks. And as they were doing all these things to keep me alive, to myself, I was in a different place. I was in this place, which I got to call the place between here and there. And uh, it may have been three weeks in, uh, in our time, but that place, I spent a lifetime and I spent one second. It was both of those things. It really was. And, uh, and I could explain a little bit uh, more about that because that the first thing about the place between here and there is that I was raised a Catholic and what I'm speaking of is, is just the things from my experience. And that's very important is because that as I speak from things of my experience, I might talk about a saint or, or something else. I'm not saying that's the way I'm saying that that's the way that spirit communicated with me. That's the way to reach me. And so, so if you were born in, in Brazil or, or China or someplace else with a different background, I believe the lessons would be the same, but they would be taught to you in a different way because how else would you learn? Because I believe the key to learning is in the Om Namo Gurudev Namo. That's a Sanskrit for, for I recognize your inner spirit, but really I recognize your inner teacher is your true identity. And, and that's almost like a pledge, at least to me, is that I'll never tell you what to do. I'll never boss you around. Is that, is that if I want you to learn something, I'll share experiences with you and, and, and you'll learn. Your inner teacher will teach you things. I'm not here to bark at you. You, you know, I recognize your inner teacher. And so, and, and so the way that they appealed to me in that place was, was teaching my inner teacher. And one of the first things that they taught me, and there's no they, I just say that. And there's no, I often say, come down here. There's no down here. And, uh, and I often say days and things. I'll, I'll explain that a little bit more. But, but one of the first things that they taught me was, oh, okay. So was how to see spirit. And it's not like, and when I say see spirit, I don't mean see spirit. I mean, see spirit, <laughs> experience spirit. Is that it wasn't like they opened up a book and said, okay, Stevie, spirituality 101, start here. I, and I would definitely would have been in the 
remedial class. <laughs> I've been in a dummy class. Am I allowed to say that? I haven't been in that class. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but, but no, that, that's not the way it happened. In fact, I didn't even know anything was going on. Everything was deeply rooted in my regular life. It was. I was in a work situation. And I saw this fella that I knew from my background. This guy was a character. I didn't know why he was there. But, but, but now later on, I kind of like figured it out a little bit more. He was a guy who I did some work with like 20 years ago. For like six months, I worked with him very frequently. I never saw him again. He was this guy from uh, Haiti. And he just, he was a character. He had a mannerism for everything. He went like this and he talked like, kind of like me. No. <laughs> and he just, I mean, people, this, this is an audio. So I'm making all sorts of exaggerated gestures. But that's the way he was. And he spoke like French. But it wasn't really French. It, it was kind of like Spanish, but not Spanish. It was, it was kind of English, but not English. And whenever he wanted to, uh, you know, say something, you know, he didn't say nasty things, but but if you want to be a little rascal, he would say it in a different language or something. And um, and so I saw him there, and you didn't talk there. It was it was like an awareness thing. I'll, I'll explain that. But but at first I didn't notice him. Oh, excuse me. I recognized him right away. But but what I noticed about him is he didn't age at all. And all the time I saw him. I thought that was kind of weird and I kind of like, all right. And then time went, went, went on. I was just doing, interacting in this environment, in this scene. I called it scenes. And, and then I saw him again. And at first I didn't notice him because he was much, much older and he looked different. But, but, but then he did one of those silly gestures or, and he said something that I know is uniquely him. I said, wait a second. I didn't say that, but 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 those are the thoughts that went in my mind. So I recognized him. That's that's my friend, but he looks different. And for some reason, I didn't have a connection that this would be weird, but it just it just intrigued me. And then he, as time went on, he began to appear to me in different ways. Sometimes he would be an older person. Sometimes he'd be a younger person. Sometimes he'd be a fit person. Sometimes he'd be a thin person. Sometimes he would be all different types of ways. And at first, it was very tough for me to notice him. It was. It was very tough. But then he would do a gesture or something that would say, wait a second. And, and, and a long time would, would, would pass by because that I'd kind of forget. Like I wasn't expecting to see him. And so it was just weird. And then after time went on, I began to feel something very subtly, like, I didn't have to notice a gesture. Well, it wasn't as important. Like I started to sense like an energy with him. And then as time went, went, went on, I relied less on seeing a special gesture or something that I began to rely more on the energy, this, this feeling that I got from him. And then as time went, went, went on, it was less and less of the physical sense and more of the energy sense. And I was being taught, you know, there were times he appeared to me as a woman. There are times that he appeared to me just all different ways. And it took me so long to get this. It really did. And when I say so long, I don't mean time. Like time doesn't exist like it is there. Time is what gives you time. Here, time is sun rising, falling, things happen. There, the only thing is your growth, your understanding. Because as you grow, you think back to, mm -hmm. to how you got that growth. And that gives you a sense of time. And so, and so, and so, uh, and so 
as I began to sense his spirit, after a while, I knew when he was around. And he, there's no he's, <laughs> but, but, but I, I could sense him. And then once I could sense him, I began to sense a lot of things. I began to, first it was a little thing. Then as I began to feel it, it began more and more and I began to understand things, but I began to feel this energy. It was not only him, it was everything had an energy, everything. I mean, rocks, stones, trees, planet, universes, period, everything. There was a commonness about the spirit, but there was a uniqueness about the spirit. And that commonness was a connected nature that all of these spirits are connected. And all of these spirits make up one. And I believe, this is my belief from what I experience. I believe that one is the creator. I believe that the creator and the creation are one. We are the creator. And that's what I believe that science and spirit are one. They explain the very same thing. Whether you believe in the Big Bang or let there be light, started from this and spread out into the universe. Galaxies are formed and created and destroyed and recreated. Lives are lived. Experiences are had. Civilizations are created and fallen. And everybody gives up all of their energy and all of what they've experienced to the consciousness of the all that is the Akashic record. And, and then when they pass and they share this, they also receive some knowledge from the universe to help them on their spiritual journey. And that was what I was going through this very first moment is going through is I was sharing my experiences with the all that is, and I was receiving wisdom from the all that is, and that, and the all that is, is us. And that I believe all of our spirits create the Holy Spirit and why we hear that energy. Science says, some science says that the fact that you could take a rock and put it out in the universe, give it the, the, the proper conditions and life will, will grow on it. That's a proof for science. And I say, yes, they are right. And that's a proof for spirit. No matter where you go in this universe, you could put nothing there and spirit. Spirit and life will grow. Yes. <laughs> Science and spirit explain the same things. You know, you think about your cells in a body. Each cell has its own life. It lives, it breathes, it dies. You know, it, 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 it survives. It has its own energy. All the cells make up you and you have your own consciousness and your own energy. Each cell may not know of you. In fact, I bet you none of them knows of you but they are you. And that's what, what, what I think. I think this is just a, that this, this evolution of spirituality in the all that, that, that is. And that was what it was in my very first place is that as I was there, as I was receiving this, these lessons, I call them lessons from the universe. It taught to me in the same way that I learned the lessons with this fella, how to first learn spirit, but there was no way I could jump from, from, from hello, how are you to, the creator and creation are one if I didn't walk this path. And that's really one of the things that I began to understand is that you got to walk the path. There's no shortcuts. There's one thing to say, oh, I'm not jealous. 
No, I'm, I'm evolved. I'm not jealous. Yeah, you are. <laughs> you, you, you're, you're putting it aside, but, but, but and that's noble. I'm, I'm not great. I'm not saying that. But really, the real truth is, is to understand that that's not so. You know, you know, you know, it's like, like, like once I came to terms with, with things, it's difficult to have those types of negative emotions because you know the backside of it, you know the meaning of it. And so, and so as I was in this place, I kept on learning. There was no consciousness beyond myself that was telling me, okay, this is what's going to happen. This was going to happen. It just seemed like everything just happened. It wasn't like I walked, I slept, I drove a car. It wasn't like that. It was like I went from situation to situation. And the only thing I was aware of was that situation. I'd just been this terrible accident. I don't remember. I didn't remember anything there. And I was fine there. You know, there was nothing wrong with me. And uh, and I was having a great time. <laughs> I was because, because that I was feeling this understanding and this bliss. And I, I don't know how, how to describe it. But, but then when I stopped learning, the very next thing was, and we touched on this a little bit before about the life review, is I had my life review and I went over that time and time again. And we spoke about how some of the most difficult things were the things I learned the most from and, uh, and how I learned that uh, I couldn't have hate or animosity towards myself, but others, because I understood the meaning and the things that happened. And so, uh, and so, and so that life review went on closer to infinity than it was to one. And it was like, it was, it was every time I did my life review, I knew it was going to be a tough day. I really did, but, but it really was, it was very blissful. And just as the other place, as I began to go through these life reviews and understand these things, it's just as the first place that happened, as long as I was learning, the life review, as long as I was learning, I did that. And so, uh, and so, uh, and even now in my life, I do life reviews all the time. If I can't look back to myself six months ago and think what a jerk I was, I'm not going anywhere. That's not good. In fact, no, what used to really torture me is I would think back to things that I did in my life and like stupid things, even stuff that I did when I was a kid. And they would horrify me. They don't bother me now. It's all because of those those life review process there and since then. And then um, the next part of it is that I found myself in charge of these kids, young adults, and I had to teach them a task. And they wouldn't listen to me. No matter what I did, they would not listen to me. It's like I would connect with them. I'd be like, I see you, you see me. Go team, red team, blue team, whoever wins gets gets to go home early. I tried every little, I've been around athletic teams all the time. I know how to do that. I'm a, I'm a motivator. Come on. Then listen to a word I said. In fact, they began to mock me after a while. And it was very upsetting. And, um, and so at one point I stood before who was in charge. And I realized something for the very first time is that I was standing before myself, not myself, Stevie Weber, is that I was standing before my higher self, that part of me that's always in spirit, my own Namo Guru Dev Namo, that part of me that is always in spirit. And that I began to understand that only a portion of us comes down 
comes down, <laughs> comes down to experience life in ignorance. And so much of the spiritual knowledge that, that, that you have accumulated through many incarnations, different types of incarnations, are your intuition. And you come down in ignorance to learn and to make mistakes. Because that if you come down with your wisdom, you're not going to make a lot of mistakes. You're just going to sit around analyzing everything like I do. <laughs> but, 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 but you're not going to make mistakes. You've got to come, come down in ignorance to live and to learn and those types of things. And, uh, and, and so I'm standing before my higher self. And it's not like I spoke to my higher self. It's that by being in that energy, like it gave me like a way of understanding things. It like, it like cleared out the mind chatter. You, you know, the mind chatter that always goes on. It was like clearing out the mind chatter and all of a sudden like things became apparent to me. And I realized that I wasn't there to teach them that task. What I realized that they were spirits who had yet to have a human incarnation is that, is that spirits develop they were born with the universe with the beginning of time, but they grow and develop over time through many incarnations from all different plants and animals and everything through many different existences that I believe as we become closer to humans to be able to think and reason on these types of levels that we're beginning to get closer to spirit and we're beginning to evolve. And what I believe I was there for is to begin to shepherd these young spirits into their first human incarnation. And I was failing miserably at that because I had been through all these experiences. I have, and I've only shared such a small portion of it. There's so much more in the book, but, but, but I'd been through all these experiences. I was learned to see spirit. I learned that we're all connected. I'd learned through, through, through all of these, these, life reviews, like all these experiences I've been through and all my things are learning. And so I've given all this wisdom. And the first thing as I do is I get to this place and I'm like, okay, kids, red team, blue team, let's go. Like I failed to see them as spirits, equal, not even equal spirits, but the same, same, just little parts of a greater spirit. And I failed to see that. And that's why I failed at what I was doing because that your spirit, that is your true identity. And it was through that experience that I began to understand things. And um, don't worry, the kids got off okay. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but it was a very spiritual and meaningful experience to me because that I learned so many things about spirituality and about viewing people and about looking to see spirit. Because even now, our our ability to see spirit is a tremendous asset in this world or any world that comes afterwards, not to, not to be a fortune teller or, or that's, that's your world. That's cool. And I love that. And that's beautiful. But I mean, for yourself in your regular world to, to look, sense spirit in people, it'll give you intuitions. And what's more is very often I, I see people who are sensing spirit in me and you connect and all of a sudden, boom, and you're, oh, hey, what's up? Yeah, yeah, you, you know, you have those types of experiences. And so, and, and so that was, that was what, what it was with, with, with the kids is that it taught me to really to, to look inside it, not because I'm so enlightened and that, that oh, I judge everybody the same. No, because that's the way it is. Yeah. <laughs> that's the way to enlightenment. That's the way to peace. Not for any other reason. 
I know I'm selfish. No, I'm, I'm being <laughs> facetious. I'm just joking. But in, in that sense, but, but really, really, that's what, what, what it's about. And that's what I learned from those kids there. And then, and then the very next place is I was, I live in a small town in Kings Park, a small town on Long Island called Kings Park. We're a working class community. We're surrounded by all rich folks. And, but we're working class because there's one industry in town. We all worked at industry closed down. We found a way to irk out of life in my town. You were either Irish or you were Jewish or you were Italian. And we all found a way to get along and marry each other and have a great time. And so, uh, and so that was my, 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 my town. But at the end of every day, people go to the bluff that overlooks the shore. They, they drink coffee and some people drink from red solo cups. That's not coffee. <laughs> and we like, like, like watch the sun go down. And, um, and so, uh, and, and we talk about what's going on in town, like who's doing who <laughs> and like, and like all, 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 all the stuff that makes town. I'm sure small towns do this all over the place. And that's, and that's my small town. But when I was in this place, is I sat there with these two people from town, Joey and John, two old friends of mine that were in their mid-70s. And uh, Joey, he, he did the readings in church, the old Irish guys. And, uh, and when he did the readings in church, he would sound like the voice of God. He would be like, and Jesus said, and the walls would shake and everyone would get quiet. But he was the humblest and kindest of man. And he suffered from diabetes and he had such awful troubles with circulation in his legs and infections. And, and Joey, he, he, he broke his back when he was a kid. Yeah, you know, he was jumping in at the bluff and he hit his head and they had to put rods and pins in his back to keep him stabilized. And I would sit there in this place and I would, I would, I would look at them Day after day, we would watch the sunset over and over again. And then one day, I realized that they had both passed earlier that year. And I thought to myself, they can't be here. Like, what? Like, and then I began to review everything that had happened to me. It was, it's almost like you see in the movies. It's like, all of a sudden, like I began to review everything that had been happening to me. And I'm saying, this can't be real, but it is. You know, it because it wasn't, it wasn't a dream. It was, it was, into, and I just sat there over and over, over and over. And I felt like I wanted to ask them what they were doing here. And so each day that progressed, we watched the sunset. And I just felt this urgency day after day after day after day. And then, and then finally, when I got, I, I had to ask them. I felt like if I didn't have this opportunity to ask them, I would never get to ask them why they were here again. And um, they said, in the way that people communicate, <laughs> they're here to make sure that I'm okay. And that just like echoed in my mind over and over again, because that there's nothing wrong with me. I was fine. Like, I just didn't understand that. And then as we saw the sun set, the sun just got brighter and brighter. I shielded my eyes. And then when I opened them, my mom was holding my hand and I was in the hospital room. And she was telling me that I had been in a terrible I'd been in a terrible, terrible accident and that I was going to be okay. <laughs> and I knew I was because my mother would not lie to me. <laughs> I know she would. I, I, no, I really mean that. I was certain 
when she told me I would be okay, the first thing that I thought, I wanted to get out of here because they're just milking me for my insurance money. Let's get out of here, mom. But I couldn't because I was tied down and I was intubated and I, and I was on a ventilator and I was very, very, very ill. And uh, so I laid in that hospital bed for a while. And, uh, and I was thinking about that place between here and there. And I was like, partly there and partly here. Like, I don't know how to describe it, but, but I was almost like a voyeur on, on here, <laughs> less than there. <laughs> I don't know how to describe it, but it was like a process. But I began to think of that place between here and there. And when I was there, when I was dealing with the kids and really struggling, I was really struggling. There was a lady there who was praying. All she did was pray. I didn't understand what the hell she was doing there. Nobody did because that everyone had a purpose there. She had no purpose there. This was, All the, she did this was, was the place here and there, you, it, between yeah. here and there. Somebody was praying. Yeah, when, yeah when, when I was dealing with the kids in the place between here and there and I was, and I was trying to shepherd them and yeah. help them and I was struggling to understand why they weren't listening to me, right. there was this lady there who was just praying and I didn't understand why she was there. And it was causing a distraction because everyone had a purpose there. Right. But it's not that I heard her words. But really, it was almost like the words were like a pathway, like a, like a road on which the energy, which the road, which the words were trying to bring out, it was just the energy. The road was the, the words were the pathway. And this energy was one of love, deep concern. Yes, no, very deep concern. But it was love. It was not a, not a smothering love, like, oh, I'm sorry. No, it was a love like it was almost like an intelligence, but it was a, such a comforting love. And it kind of gave me strength. I don't know, but I don't mean strength, like strength, strength. I mean, mm, I don't know. It's like, it's an empowerment. I just, it gave me that one foot in front of the other when I needed it most. That, that's what it did. Now I'm sitting in my hospital bed and I'm thinking about that person. And now I could see spirit. I could feel spirit. I, I say see, but I could feel spirit. I know who that person is. I saw three higher selves there. And I didn't realize it at the time till way after I saw the fella who was teaching me spirit. I saw myself and I saw this other person and now I knew who it was. And so, and so, but I had to sit there for several weeks. I was still, and so finally they, they got me off the ventilator. They untied me. They gave me my cell phone. I knew this person. I I sent them a text right away and I said, I said, thank you for visiting me when I was out, out, if you know what I mean. And I thought she was going to think I was nuts because she's a friend of mine, but we never talk about, you know, you, you know, you see casual friends. I mean, I liked, I knew her, she was a good friend, but, but I didn't know her like, like, like that. And she must've thought I was back crazy. <laughs> and, uh, but she didn't. She said, oh, you know? <laughs> I was like, what? I mean, she got me. I was like, I said, let's just say I've been to another place. And I see that we're all connected. But you and I share a connection that goes beyond this world. And I want you to come and see me tomorrow. I have so much to tell you. Oh, my God. And that was my co-author, Kathy. That's incredible. And who's... 
and who's now the love of my life, by the way, <laughs> when I don't forget to take out the garbage. <laughs> but that's another thing. <laughs> but but it is so true. And and so and so I, I was laying in bed. I was so profoundly ill. I couldn't walk. I I just I wires, just everything. I couldn't eat. I had a tube in me to feed me. It was, it was just really tough. But uh, Kathy came, but I didn't tell her about the place between here and there because I kind of felt funny about it afterwards. I said those things. I kind of felt, you know, the, the computer guys, they're like, what, what's wrong with you, Steve? <laughs> like, what's, you know, that's, what's up, <laughs> you know? And and so I really just didn't talk about it for, for a while after that. I just kept on trying to get better because I couldn't walk. And, um, but, but I felt this energy. I just wanted to get better. The nurses would chase me around rehab in the hospital. I said, I'm not supposed to be out. You got to get your blah, 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 blah. the things that those very kind people. No, they were beautiful souls. But, um, but, but I kept on. And then it came to me one day, Joey and Johnny, when they were saying to make sure I'm okay, they didn't mean there. They meant here. Mm -hmm. They were going to be my spirit guides. John, his leg, all infected, took his life. My leg. Very bad. Joey broke his back. My back is broken. They were going to be my spirit guides. Not, to, not my spirit shields to prevent me from pain or anguish. But they were going to help me through this. And they were going to give me their energy, their wisdom. Just their wisdom, I believe. I don't believe they channel the wisdom of the universe yet. I believe it's from their experiences. That's why they were my spirit guides, because of the, the, the challenges that I was going to face, like anyone else in life. But there were some specific challenges that I was going to have to prepare for. And, um, and so, and so but, but it wasn't like they were telling me one more push-up. It was like I had the benefit of their experience, but not knowing that. You know, and I think that's the way at least my spirit guides communicated with me. It wasn't like they were whispering in my ear. It was like at times I felt like I had the wisdom of their experience. I couldn't tell, like I didn't have their experience, but I just had the, the end of it. I kind of cheated, I kinda, <laughs> you know, and but, 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 but that's what spirit guides do. I believe in, in the universe, according to Steve, that's at least that's what I felt. But, but who was telling me one more pushing was Kathy. Now, yeah, Kathy, we, we, you know, after having this experience, she was kind of like hanging around now a lot more. And, and she, every once in a while, she would say something about the place, but, but, but she would say it to me like in a teasing manner and then see if I reacted, like, like see if I, you know, caught on, but, but I would always laugh, you know, she didn't push the issue. And, um, but but she was like halfway between Sergeant Slaughter and Mother Teresa because she would she she's an athlete and she punches like a man so do not upset this lady <laughs> and uh, and 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 she would push me she would one more push she would take me on like twenty mile hikes I am not kidding you Fire Island we would go there all the time twenty mile hikes she would take me no quarter but but we 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 drink beer afterwards so I'd be happy and Alex. so and so um. <laughs> <laughs> Some things never change. And so, um, and, and so, and so that, that's the way it went for a while. Things were starting to get better. And then one day I come home, I find my beautiful 20 year old son dead from a heroin overdose. And these, and this, these were what were the children like I changed everything for. And I was 
dad. I was full-time dad. I was elected to the school board. Everybody, I took them to the school board meetings all the time. I'd have them stand in front of the audience. <laughs> I was like, I'm empowering them. I used to have 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 my, my 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 daughter. She would have to give this speech about how she was a woman, how she stands on her two feet. And even to this day, if I asked her to give me the speech, she'd give me the speech. No one's going to push you around. And, you know, I would I really, you know, and then, wow, all that's gone. It was so heart-wrenching because we live in the hometown and all the fire, they took out every piece of equipment they had. All the people who responded to try to revive my son, they were all, they're all of his friends from high school, all the kids on the football team and the wrestling team. And I could see the tears in their eyes. They're trying to do their job. And we all knew it was too late. And so, and then just, I, it wasn't so funny now, like, like, like my alt lifestyle. It wasn't so funny now, you know? And I think like, where did I go wrong? I like invested so much in the kids. I really, maybe I felt like I, I was too much. Like I was too much. Like I was in their face all the time. Maybe I didn't give them their freedom. Like I just started going over everything, everything. And I just tortured myself. I really did. It was really starting to wear on me. And Kathy saw that, but she didn't, she didn't say anything. But at some point it got to the point that I think she felt she had to, <laughs> she had to, she had to, you know, put a spark in things to get things to move a little bit. And so, one time, we were out and we were hiking in the woods, <laughs> Sergeant Slaughter style. <laughs> and she says to me, "Did Nick, my son, did Nick ever try to contact you?" I got pissed off. I really did. I did, I did, because I, I was struggling with something real, and that wasn't real, and, and that was so unhelpful. I was very upset about it, but I was beginning to love Kathy at this time. I really was, because she was spending a lot of time with me, and I really, mm, you have that connection with somebody that goes beyond this world. It's, I don't know, it changes you. It changes you. So I, yes, no, honey, she, she, no, he hasn't contacted me, and then, and she she had a Saint Teresa statue with her, and Saint Teresa she just loves Saint Teresa, you know the, the little flower, and and in Catholic religions, and 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 she's a Catholic, but but not really, she's a spiritualist, and so but she just loves Saint Teresa, and she so she takes Saint Teresa, she puts it at the base of a tree, takes out a sharpie which she had, she had all this planned out, and she writes on the stone, Nick, we miss you, and we pray for you, and puts that down there, and we put a stone for her mom and a couple other people there and we left the, the marker there and so the next day we come back it's like 50 rocks there all with all with little things on it I'm like what I'm like kathy did, did you know this was gonna happen she's like i didn't know that was gonna happen next thing we start seeing on facebook people are putting pictures i mean granted it is in my hometown and it is that that someone must have noticed it and then next thing is i know there are like hundreds of rocks there and the first things I thought to myself, I don't know. I don't know why I'm so emotional today. I don't know. <laughs> but but I thought to myself, the first things I thought is that, oh, everybody has problems. But then I thought, whoa, whoa. I thought about the place between here and there. 
Not everybody has problems. It's that we're all in this together. And there is our strength. Really, that's one of the main lessons we're here to learn, that we are in the physical and spiritual sense. We are all in this together. And it began, I found to be empowered by that. You know, it kind of like, it kind of like remind me of the Sting song, you know, message in the bottle. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm intentionally singing it off key so you don't get a copyright violation. <laughs> <laughs> Good one. <laughs> so, so. Like, like, like the song Message in a Bottle, how he puts a message in a bottle, casting it out to the shore, hoping that he would get his answers. But instead, he gets 10,000 bottles back, all with problems. But he too realizes that we're not alone in this world. And that's not my wisdom. That's not Sting's wisdom. That's the wisdom of the all that is. And that was what that lesson began to teach me. And that was one of the first steps that began to heal, that I began to to begin to understand. And then I realized something for the first time. I used that wisdom that I learned in the place between here and there. That's odd. Hmm. All right. So, 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 so that was, that was, that was it, you know, you know, and so, and so, I began to talk a little bit more about it, and Kathy was very encouraging. But but every time I talked about it, I always followed up with a little self-deprecating humor. And uh, you know, and now I was kind of testing her now <laughs> before she was testing me for the first few months. Now I'm kind of testing her to see where she is with it. And um, and then so one day, my cousin, a mutual friend of ours, you know, small town, <laughs> and uh, and she she goes to a medium, a psychic, and uh, and she goes to get in contact with her grandmother. Uh, another distant relative, and a psychic asked if Nick can come through. And she knew exactly who it was and went through this reading. And um, and the wind down was, is that the psych, Kathy, Kathy was saying up until this point, we're finding roses. And she was saying that St. Teresa was fine sending the roses because we put the St. Teresa statue and all this energy came from all of the people, all of the people putting all of those rocks there into St. Teresa. You know, it, it's an energy. St. Teresa is just the focal point. It could have been Popeye in, in, in my in my world is that it was the energy that people put to St. Teresa that, 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 and this is, this is what, um, um uh this is what uh this is what what, what what was bringing about that energy that uh that uh, uh that I was feeling but uh, but but the uh, the, the psychic one went, went on to tell a few more things and they're saying that that oh okay so 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 Kathy what, what was saying because that they're putting out this energy to St. Teresa uh, and that was what's causing these red roses to appear in all these strange places and I admit they were kind of odd like like and fresh roses and she kept on saying oh St. Teresa is sending us the roses I'm like Kathy you're out of your mind stop it and she's like no 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 and so the psychic says. To, to, to my cousin, she says, I don't know what this means, but St. Teresa isn't sending the roses. Nick is sending the roses. And she says that Nick has a synchronicity with St. Teresa. 
And she says, what does one, two mean to you? And she's, and, uh, you know, my, my cousin says that's Nick's birthday. And she says, well, that's St. Teresa's birthday. <sighs> and so, and so Kathy comes to me with this information. And so, and so I, I told her well, what I really believed. I said that, um, that psychics, they, they got Facebook, they got Twitter, they could look up and, you know, you know, they, they know stuff, I, whatever. And she said, so, so what about the date and the fact that me, I put the St. Teresa, I didn't know anything of that. And I said, okay, so coincidences happen, you know, and that was my response to everything. And so, and so she, the psychic had given us a card of St. Teresa's, a biography of St. Teresa's life to, uh, to go and place at, uh, at, we called it the shrine where we accept St. Teresa. And, and, and so Kathy and I went down there we go to put this card down and I'm looking at it and I'm seeing St. Uh, Teresa's uh, birthday, same day as Nick. And we knew that. And then I saw her canonization day was May 17th. That was the day my son died. Can't make that up. I could do the math. I can. I'm a science guy. That's how you. That's how you get a science guy. Right. That's how you get a right. science guy. You, 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 you don't talk about kumbaya. <laughs> you talk about that because there's no way explaining that away. Mm -hmm. And and Kathy was dancing in the streets just because I was saying, well, maybe you got something here. And so then I went when I went home that night. I had this dream. It was the dream that I felt my son was with me. I really did. And everything was wonderful. It really was. It wasn't like there wasn't anything about his passing there. It wasn't anything about anything. We were just together. I just felt this, wow, we're like, you know, even, even at the end there, we weren't getting along because, you know, he was involved in this stuff. And, and all of a sudden, it was like that young kid that we had so much fun. And I just, it was just, it was wonderful. And then I woke up and I realized it was just a dream, but it was okay now. It was truly okay because now I began to realize and I began to think more and more about that place between here and there. And I began to really, really think about it more. And I start to think he is experiencing the things that I experienced there, all those wonderful thoughts, all those spiritual growths, all those trying things as well, but all of the bliss. And he was learning and growing because I love that place. I, I didn't, I mean, people say they had a choice. I don't have no choice. I didn't have anything about coming back or anything. Things just seemed to happen for me. But, but I love that place. I love that enlightenment. And I ex was excited to be there. I was, it, it, it wasn't like I was hanging out, playing the harp and being in the clouds. No, I was it was wonderful. And now I know my son's there. And you see, you see, I really believe that this death process is an automatic process, just as coming into life is, you know, just as your spirit and your consciousness. Think about it, a baby being born in consciousness and the spark of spirit, that's a process. And dying's a process. And I think that's what I was going through, is that I was going through the process of returning to spirit. I believe the first step is that you sync with the Akashic record. You share what, what, what your life experiences are, and, and you receive a little bit of wisdom. Then you go through your life experience to gain as much wisdom as you can now that, 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 that you've had your life and you, you go through your awareness. 
and then you're tested on it because that's what I think when I was with those kids is that I was being tested on my spiritual knowledge. And I think it was a test that I failed at. And, uh, and I think that's probably one of the reasons why I returned. I returned back to a physical incarnation right away. And the fact that the doctors saved my life from certain death. And I remember reading an article by a doctor, I think his name is Dr. Parnell from Stony Brook University. I'm, not, I'm probably not even saying his name right, and I should look this up before I say it, but, but, but it was just very impactful for me because he said about near-death experiences, he says, as time goes on, more people will be reporting these things because of the way that medicine is. And so not only do people recover who would have died, but people recovered in a very high cognitive state that they could recount things in the past where they couldn't. And, and so in feeling these things is that I felt like a weight was lifted from me. Like the grief was, was, was lifted from me. And the most amazing thing happened. I got my son back. I did. I did because up until that point, anytime I thought of him, I thought about the circumstances of his death. I thought about the heroin overdose. I thought about all of their friends. I thought about the weddings and the grandchildren and all the things we would be missing out on. But I didn't think about all the beauty and the life that he experiences. And that I, next time I would be with my son, we would be together in our higher selves, knowing the true meaning of everything, not the, oh, I know the true meaning. No, no, really the wisdom, the lessons, the lessons give you the meaning. It's not the word that gives you, the, it's the lessons, the onomogu devnamo, that's what gives you the meaning. And so I felt such a peace with that. And then I began to think of all the wonderful things that we experienced. You know, I remember one time he was a championship wrestler. He played the guitar like, like Dizzy Gillespie, he played the saxophone, he, guitar, saxophone, piano. He was awesome. I remember one time we were at this championship meet. It was at a hotel and, uh, and, and all the wrestlers were in the lobby because the buses were, were, were late and they were wrestling each other. They were body slamming each other like the two security guards. No way. Hundreds of wrestlers just getting out of control. And there was a piano in the middle of the place. My son walks over to the piano and starts playing this beautiful sonata. I, I, it was like a Mozart. He loved Mozart. And, and, th and then he would, would play Metallica after. But, but that's another <laughs> story. Uh, but, but, but he would, and everyone just stopped because he just won the tournament. He's this big, huge, six-foot-something kid whose knuckles drag on the ground. And they were just like, <gasps> but those, that's what I got back again, you know? And now I knew what my mission was because I lived in my hometown. This was a devastating experience because I was on the school board. This is my son, the star of the school. Really, the star. He was a star. And everybody was, 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 was grieving. But they also felt shame. They did. Because I could tell just as I looked at that defendant that day in that courtroom so long ago, for the grace of God, it wasn't them. It's true. I know because I've seen other people lose their children before this. And that's one of the thoughts that I had. For the grace of God, it wasn't me. And that 
Mm, that hurt me so much. It really did because I loved, I loved them. So the very first thing I got my son's wrestling medal, for the championship. I went down to the local pub, small town, found Nick's uh, 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 high school football coach, put put the medal on his neck, and I said, "Tell me about your son." And he started to cry because that. Everyone stopped speaking to me about our children. We had such fun together on the football and wrestling team. We traveled all around the country, all over the world, and we couldn't talk about that anymore. And that's what it got back for me, is that, is that, is that now every time I see my friends, I say, hey, I had the kids have birthday. That's the first thing. I get letters now. It's almost like their mission in life to, 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 to do that. And so that is one of the most important things that, that has come out of this is that, that reconciliation. But the messages, once I relieved myself of that blockage of the grief, the floodgates came rolling in. Even Stevie couldn't design it, uh, deny it. And one of the things I had to get over was the wow factor. Because so many times early on when I would receive messages, when I first began to recognize, I'd be like, wow, I heard a message. Oh, dad turned off the computer or something like, you know, it'd be like, wow, you know. But they have a meaning. And once you get past the wow factor, if you accept messages just as you accept the sun rising and falling every day, they're all around us. Once you start to accept, don't make up messages, but, but, but accept them when you see them. And I remember when Kathy and I, we were, we were working on the book and this is actually in the book, the place between here and there. And, and it's actually, <laughs> and we have pictures of this and that Kathy and I, we were walking on the beach. We're getting a break. Um, Kathy and I, we work on every chapter together and we sit there and work on it, but Kathy writes the narrative and, and, and it's a lot of pressure on her. It really is. And so, and, and, and so she loves walking on the beach. And so one of her favorite things is, is searching for beach glass. That's a beach that kind of the glass that tumbles around and make, she, she loves it. And different colors are very rare and like violet beach glass is the rarest thing. You will find a diamond ring on a mountain of rocks before you will find violet beach glass on the beach, at least in these parts. And, uh, and so, and so she said, so, so when we walk on the beach, she does these apps, she, she, praise to and uses the energy of uh of saint germain the violet flame that's her that that's her violet flame and uh so we're walking on the beach and and she's sending out all this loving energy to heal the world and uh and so first off if it wasn't for kathy things would be a lot worse in the world convinced of that but 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 secondly is that when she's done and we're done walking is that she asked for an for an affirmation that saint germain has heard her and so today she asked for beach glass and i thought she was going to be very sad she just she, she was and 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 i i, I want to say something it's just between us I, she probably will not hear it but sometimes I buy beach glass. Oh, no. I keep it in my pocket. No. <laughs> and I just wait for her to want something. And then I kind of like chuck it on the ground. And, and so far, she's had some, some, some suspicions, but 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 you know, but I didn't have any violent beach glass with me. I was so I, I had to think of something very nice, but she would have had the puss face on. And, and that's so sad because the puss face leads to the tears, leads it, I just I, I want to stop her from that. 
And because it was really important to her because it was right in the middle of this crazy, crazy, crazy health crisis we've been going through and the fracturing of society. And there's all this awful energy in the world. And we really had to band together as people and to provide a counterbalance to that nonsense. And, and so, and so I knew we weren't going to find the violent beach class. I just at my wits end. And just like on cue, this stupid, stupid little, little puppy, this Dalmatian puppy with little black spots. You ever see like the 101 Dalmatians? It comes running out of nowhere. Go, <laughs> and it comes running and starts jumping all over us. And we're in covering the dog. And then this panicked owner comes running out of nowhere like the dog had got away from her. I'm sorry. And she comes over and we're like, oh, no problem. And, and that happens all the time on the beach because people like like let their dogs go off leash. And then when someone comes, they, you know, you know stuff happens. But it's fun. It's all cool. And, and when we're talking to her, and so I lean over and I say, what's the dog's name? Violet. Oh, no way. Oh, I'm not done. <laughs> and, so, and so I'm petrified there. I'm like, <laughs> I'm shaking. <laughs> and Kathy's, oh, okay, good, good, good. And Kathy's still like, like she's still putting on a brave face because in the mind, she's thinking Violet Beach Glass and all of her prayers have been for naught. Because that it wasn't about the Violet Beach class, it was that her prayers being for Nord. This is what she believes, and I and I support her in her beliefs. And uh, <laughs> and so and so and so that was it. And so I'm walking away, and Kathy has puss face on, and she starts moaning about the Violet Beach class again. I say, Kathy, the dog's name is Violet, and she's and, and all of a sudden it reaches her, and so. And so, so, no, no baby. And, it, and she started going, wow. I said, no, it's not wow. That doesn't happen for wow. It doesn't. There's a message in here. We have to see that message. We have to find that lady. And so, and so it, it's a town beach. You know, people, people go there. So, so, we, so we bump into it two weeks later. And Kathy, not shy, she goes running up to it. I thought this lady was going to think we're nuts and start spreading holy water on us. But, but, but no, 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 she was okay with, with, with it. In fact, she was excited by it. In fact, she lost her son too under very tragic circumstances. And Violet, Gone with the Wind was their favorite movie. And they loved Scarlett O'Hara's Violet dress. And so they named the dog Violet, but they spelled it like Scarlet. And so we became very good friends with her. We, we'd go over her house. You know, Kathy would bring her weights to work out with during the pandemic and stuff. And we became very good friends. And we shared a lot. And of course, I thought I was helping her. <laughs> but that's not the way those things work. This energy is like a two-way exchange. Everything. Teacher and student. Everybody is. In every situation, it's not it's not you're taking turns. Like, like I think that's in my opinion, from my experience, that's what sometimes people think. They think that I'm a teacher now, I'm a student now. I'm a teacher now, I'm a no. You are always a teacher, always a student at every moment of every day. And um, at least, at least, at least that is. And and I think to myself, how does that happen? Well. The spirit, it's even bigger than that, at least I believe, is I believe her son and my son, they reached out to us together and they brought us together through that stupid dog, you know, stupid dog. It was down me. I love that dog and brought us together. 
You see, you see, that's what the signs tell you is don't go, in my opinion, and what I have learned, try when you try to find the meaning of it, because just as, as the grief was a blockage for me to receive messages, once I put that away and I received message, I start to receive a lot of messages. Once I stopped with the wow factor and I started to look for the meaning in the messages, not only did I receive more messages, but I received more meaningful messages. And that's what, what I'm trying to share with, with people, the way that spirit communicates with, with me. So, so my son has passed, but he's with me all the time. In fact, Everyone is with me all the time, but, but I, I don't mean like Whoopi Goldberg and, yeah. and, 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 and ghosts. No, no, it's not like that. It is this energy that I feel and I feed off of. And I know I can look weird. I get my eyes real big and my hair looks funny, but, but I just, it, it is, there really is this, this, this energy and there's this synchronicity and there's meanings for it. But, but, but then there are very, some very tough things that I've had to learn in life. And something that I'm struggling with right, right, right now. So, so much of what, what we've discussed today isn't in the book. This is all, all things that I've realized. But the accident, mm -hmm. the little girl. For a long time, I didn't think that was part of the story. I know it sounds strange now. It does. But it sounds strange. Like, how did that happen? How did this happen? And how am I here? See? They put the guy on trial for murder, second-degree murder, the guy who sold my son the drugs. That's the very same charge that they gave the guy way back when, and he was convicted of it. This guy was convicted of it, too. I remember going to court. I went. I was... <laughs> I was going to lead the hanging crew. I really, I wanted a pint of blood. Well, at least I thought I wanted a pint of blood in my own mind. Actually, to be more honest with it, I was, I was wrestling with the thought that I should want a pint of blood. But for some reason, I'm not feeling that. But it wasn't until I saw the defendant that I realized I felt nothing but sorry for him. Not sorry like he's so pitiful. Just sorry about the situation. I took a look at his family and how they were weeping and so sad. And the mother, this is the last thing that she wanted for her child. And he was a kid. He was a stupid kid. I felt so sorry for him and sad for him. And I thought to myself, all I wanted for him to stop doing what he was doing and I want him to get better. I want to make a life for himself. I want to have the life that perhaps my son didn't have. Is that I want to have children. I want to grow up. If he could die someday surrounded by his grandchildren in a warm bed, that's what I want for him. I want to take his son to wrestling. I want him to do those things. That's what I want. That's what would bring me peace. And I thought about that. And then I thought about that experience about those parents and about how much those people, I too, everybody hated that defendant. I do. 
and I thought about the heartbreak of those parents and their feelings, not only their heartbreak, but their anger as well. And you know something? I think that was part of my life review. And I think I came to terms with that. And so when I was presented with the very same situation, similar situation, not, not, no, no, not, not, not the same, but, but very similar. I acted differently, not because I am so wonderful, but because I had their experience that they taught my own Namo Gurudev Namo. And I'm very grateful to them for that. And I am. And so, and, and so that's how I believe these things fit together even more. But I also think of another synchronicity. And I mean this. And, and, and this is between me and me, not between me and anybody else. And so, and so I don't want anyone's advice. I don't. I don't want anyone's advice. But there is something that I am working through right now that I want to find the meaning in. And remember how I say how the life review was very difficult every time, but then when I started, I felt a bit better about it. It's very difficult right now. Because I thought of one thing. And so I had a few seconds riding next to that guy. I could have warned him, but I didn't. I just tried to, I didn't go with my intuition. I relied on my reason and I failed and it couldn't have come out any worse. It couldn't have. And then I lose my son. And then for a long time, I thought I was being punished. I did like, like, I don't know if I thought I was being punished, but like, how did I fail? Like, and that's something that, that I've been thinking about. And, and one of the things I'm beginning to reason out with that is that I did fail. But I failed along my line. Is that, is that I have an energy trajectory in life and all of my experiences according to my trajectory. And so I was there in that moment and I failed. And what happened, happened. The gentleman who was driving the, the, the truck, he was there in that man and he failed. Everybody failed in their own way. And when I say failed, failed is the wrong word. Let, let, let me, I, I gotta take, take, take that back. I'm just using, I'm not using the wrong word because that's the way I feel for myself. I'm not projecting that on other people, but, but it's just that I'm saying that Gosh, along my trajectory, I failed. And those are my lessons learned. And that, and that in facing that, if I carry that burden about that failure, I will never understand that failure or the lessons that were learned there. And there were tragic circumstances. And I've experienced tra tragic circumstances. And we all have. And we all will. And you know something? We're all in this together. And that's the bottom line. And that's what this book is about. And that's what I'm here to share with people. Because after telling you my story is that the real meaning, and this is how I opened up with this, is life is good. 
and people are good, even when very sad things happen. It's because we are in this together and we are learning to grow. And there will be very, very sad things that happen in your life. They will, but that won't define your life. There'll be very happy things and they'll all be experiences. But don't let those ex try, <laughs> try not to let those experiences define you. Because that, if you could look back and see how foolish you are, you're doing great. And so, and so now Kathy and I, we, we, we just live our lives day to day. We're experiencing things where we're out speaking a lot. I love, you know, as I spoke to you tonight, I just love speaking before people. And Kathy just loving writing and, and we're making YouTube videos and we're just enjoying being together. And uh, I'm still an engineer. I, I wrestle with, the, with these ideas of AI and blockchain and the creator and creation are one. And I'm looking at us walking the path of the creator again. And I, I just find it so interesting. I'm so into crypto and AI and stuff now. And these are just all exciting things. It's just an exciting time to be alive. And, uh, and there are times I look back and I think of my son and I sometimes, wow, I get up and my back hurts so much and, and all those things. And uh, sometimes it can get you down. And I think of you know, it's very easy to sit here and say, oh, Steven, so he's, he's okay, but I have bad days. And there, there, there are times like, like, you know, you think of things and you find yourself going into that rabbit hole and you got to catch yourself. But spirituality, in my opinion, and awareness is like a garden. You got to weed it. You got to weed it. You got to nurture it. You got to grow it. And just because today it is looking 10,000%. Doesn't mean tomorrow, if you don't weed it and you don't water it, it's going to be like that. And that's the way life has been for me. Is that I enjoy life. I have good times. I have bad times. Mostly good times, but mostly even during the bad times. It's how you think about it. You know, I all, all, often think, why wait till life is easy to be happy? Be happy now. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. And so, uh, so. So thank you. I appreciate it. And I appreciate you giving me a chance for my monologue. I'm sorry. I, I can just talk. My wife, it drives, it drives, I call, I call Kathy my, my, my wife, yeah. but, but we're like common laws, but, um, but uh, it drives her crazy. I do it all the time. But no, listen, thank you. You, that is, was an incredible, you know, multiple life stories, all connecting into one lesson. Right. I just wanted to comment on a couple of things. Um, first of all, for me, I have come to see that I think our experience here, you know, in our earthly form is to experience all of our emotions, all the full range of human emotions. Definitely, it's not about not experiencing them, but it's about, I think now at this point in time, we're shedding the old paradigm. So we're trying to rise above the emotions that ca get, cause us to get swept away, right? The, the darker emotions and negative emotions, we're still going to feel them. They're still there and present, but the old getting rid of that old paradigm is what you spoke of is trying to see beyond it. The vantage point of behind yourself, the, the higher self, right? And that I think, is part of even like you said this is is a great time to be alive because mm. such a shift is happening and 
we have to look at it as an opportunity for more growth. I'm not condoning all the negative things that are going on, but I'm talking about this is juicy stuff for soul growth. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> yeah, you know, I feel that too. And I feel it. And I, I wonder if, if you think this as well, is that part of the paradigm shift, it's an awareness. It definitely is an awareness. Absolutely. And I, I think it, ha it started to happen 40, 50 years ago when, when, when people started, when, when commercialism began. And commercialism does give us wonderful things, but poof, come on, it's a lot of control, <laughs> at least in my opinion. Um, but, but, but I think what is different now is that it's a law of attraction, is that, is that by creating energy, people together, like people believe the same thing. I don't mean believe like we're, we're, we're a tribe and we believe. No, I mean a spiritual thing. If people believe and they put their energy to a cause, you can change it. It's the way you treat people. It really is. That is what the law of attraction is. If you shed love, but if it's more, it's love, it's an energy, but it's to be kindness, but it's also to be smart with your kindness. There's, there's, there's a love is the ultimate intelligence. And so if we get all that energy together, we can give it to a purpose. And I think that's what the awareness is coming because now we can communicate in ways that we couldn't in the past. So now we're starting to realize before each of us was an island amongst ourselves. Now we're not an island because now we're starting to have this awareness. And I think that, and that's one of the things, Kathy writes these beautiful meditations and they are, they, we, we, we put them in the book and we also have them on our YouTube channel. And we're also going to, I'm going to work, work on one. I, I, I just got so caught up in talking to you. I was supposed to be working on it. I hope Kathy, Kathy doesn't catch me, but, uh, <laughs> you know, she, but the meditations are awesome. And what she does is she, first off, we try to get people to the meditative state, to clear out the mind chatter, to get you into the frame of mind where you're ready to channel your own energy, our energy, the universe energy, but you are that energy. And then to channel that energy to doing a cause, to bring about things. So if you see her meditations, it's meditation to connect to a deceased loved one. It's, it's meditation to bring love and light throughout the world. It's meditations to protect. And I think that's what I'm feeling. Do you, are you feeling that as well? Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. There's, yeah there's, I, I really. Uh, go ahead. Yeah. I, I feel that because that. And I think that a lot of it is coming from the young people. And I mean that I call them the squirrels because, because in the in in the place between here and there, the the kids, you know, it's so funny. Afterwards in our house in Northport, we have like ten thousand know, we, we have Kathy feeds the squirrels. We have hundreds of squirrels. It's <laughs> it's it's like a tribe. I don't know why she does it, but she does. She loves them. But the squirrels behave like the kids behaved in that place. And so and so I often refer to the kids as squirrels. And so and and so some sometimes and so I mean it with with, with affection when I call young people squirrels. I mean it with because it's in love and light. And so maybe I should stop that. But <laughs> but 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 the squirrels. Um, because I, I talked a little bit about AI and I talked about blockchain and I talked about the creator and the creation are one and that we are walking the path of the creator and we are figuring it out. And, and I'll, I'm going to say something is that the blockchain is DNA and AI is consciousness. And we're just walking that path. It's just in silica now. At some point, we're going to realize, we're going to realize that, that biological intelligence, we, 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 
we're eventually going to get to the point where we realize certain things. And so, but, but the reason why I'm mentioning is the kids are having to really break down how we actually think, how, what is thought, what is spirit? And you would think that these kids are so focused on the engineering of it, but no, they're not. They, I belong to these DAOs and these DAOs are think that they're not DAOs like that. They, they're organizations that create cryptocurrencies, but they are spiritual organizations. And these people, these kids, they just, it, they have such values and such. And I think part of it is, it's not what's going on in the street. I think that they're getting it. They are. And they're understanding what it means to be spiritual, what it means to be a human, what the true nature of existence is. And the kids, they're figuring it out. And I think this is the energy which is changing things. I love that. Um, so the meditations are on your YouTube channel? Yes. It's between here and there. I think it's uh, if you go to youtube.betweenhereandthere.org or, or, or just send us a note at info at betweenhereandthere.org. And, uh, and we have a YouTube channel and, uh, and, uh, and we have our meditations on there. And, uh, and I, I'd like to think my talking gets the most views, but I got these bumping me with those meditations. <laughs> I got to talk to them about that. But, uh, but, but no, the, the meditations are really fun. And we, and we are doing regular podcasts now and, uh, and ju just talking about current events and what's going on in our world. I mean, we, we don't sell anything, <laughs> you know, you know it's, it's not like, like I mean, we, we do have our book that's on Amazon and remind uh, me place between here and there. Yeah. S sorry. Can you repeat that? The title again? Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Our book is on Amazon. It's called The Place Between Here and There. And we have it on uh, on audiobook as well as on paperback and Kindle. And uh, and we have it in Spanish as well. And so, uh, and so uh, you know, definitely, yeah, check it out. It's a great read, but it's, it's real stuff. And what I mean by real stuff, it's not Stevie Talks pie in the sky stuff, but, but in, in the book, it's it's down to earth stuff. It is. It's just regular down to earth stuff. It's it's a great narrative because that we kept the story true to the story, and then all the other stuff that Stevie throws in, it's back in the questions and answers. So so that so so that we create this narrative that is just this beautiful love story that Kathy and I had, and me struggling with the idea of coming to terms with 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 my near death experience, and then losing my son and finding this. You know, it's this journey that actually the book is only half the story. And so uh, Kathy and I were working on a second book now uh, called Lessons Learned. And that was going to be just, just focused on the lessons learned there. But when I came to the realization about this other experience, and when I would say this other experience, this was on the national news. Uh, they, they played my voice. I was told they played my voice on the Oprah show, my, my call to the police, because the family was on Oprah several times. I mean, it was a big, it was a big thing. And just, it just, I don't know. It's just a, it's a crazy existence. I, I, I lost my train of thought. I'm getting tired That's now. Okay. But. That's all right. No, listen, it's, um, the book is phenomenal. Like I said, I had to stop. Oh. Yep. I mean, Keep going. Thing. See, 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 this is the part when Kathy's with me, I pinch her, I, I, I tap her and she whispers in my ear what, what, what I left off at. But, 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 but yes. And so, but with this whole new experience is, is that now the lessons learned book, we're going to include the whole trial as part of that. And then, and I think at some point in the future, we're going to put it all together as one book. And, uh, but it's a work in progress and, uh, and we're enjoying life. It's so good to hear.
Yeah, I read the book and uh, even in the very beginning, I had to stop and just take a moment because a lot of synchronicities, a lot of beautiful connections that you made, and it all comes together as you're continuing to piece things together over time, right? And, you know, in five, 10 years from now, if we sit down and have a conversation again, we're going to hear a lot more lessons and uh, epiphanies, I'm sure, and because that's how it goes. I just, I just think we're just at such a unique time. This next ten years is going to, even this next two years. Mm -hmm. You wanna, you wanna hold Stevie to task. You wanna, you, you wanna beat me over the head in two years. The world's going to change in just two years. Yeah. It's really going to change in ten years. But these next two years with these, uh, with this new EV revolution, you don't, you don't realize how much it's going to change our lives by doing away with the cars. And, and I'm, I'm not just talking about the pollution and everything else. It's going to change the way we live, that cars don't get into accidents anymore. Then how's that going to affect the hospitals? What about the insurance companies? What about people who fix the cars? What about all the gas stations? All this is all this ramifications through society. And now with this AI, they're finding out these cures to diseases that, that we never thought possible. They just came out with this drug to, for, to cure can, uh, uh, to identify cancers, 200 cancers, a pill, a pill. 200 uh, something. I'm, I mean, I'm probably exaggerating it, but that was all done through CRISPR technology and AI. So these are the things that they're rolling out right now. And the way that these th things happen, like a little things happen, nothing happens. It explodes all at once. Yeah. Yeah. You watch. I'll see you next year. <laughs> things, th things are going to be different. So, uh, so that's that. Well, I'd like to invite you back for your next book. I'd love to oh. have you on again. And uh, I can't wait to see what else you have to, to share with your next story. Well, thank you so much. I really enjoyed the time together. I really enjoyed speaking with, with, with you. And I, I, you caught me at, at, at a time where I'm figuring things out. So I just like talked, I gave a monologue. And so I'm so sorry, I should have engaged you more. No, no. Just, it, it's just, I've just been dying to get this out yeah. because I've just been thinking about it so much. And, and when I talk to people about it, it helps me work it through in my mind a little bit. And that's how the writing process goes. I get it all in my mind. And then Kathy and I, we, we sit down and we talk about it. And, and, uh, and, and that's just the way the writing process is. So you actually helped me write the book. So thank you. Listen, we all learn through our stories. That's how it all started. And that's the best way we can learn from each other. So thank you so much, Steve. Satnam. Thank you. Peace. Thanks for listening to Life Continuing. A special thanks to Stephen Weber. For more on Stephen and to purchase his book, please visit betweenhereandthere.org. The advisor to the show is Amanda Capito. The music for this podcast was composed by Richard Farron. I'm your host, Tanya Berg. Make sure to subscribe to the show wherever you listen to your podcast and follow on Instagram at Life Continuing Podcast. And check out wellnesscontinuing.com for spiritual tools and resources to elevate your heart-mind. Be sure to join me next time, where we'll continue this conversation about life continuing.